0: Hey, thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Relevant Church. We are so thrilled and excited to see what God has planned for your life through this message. We know you're going to enjoy it. Sit back, relax. God bless. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. Thank you that we get to uh, extend our love to you upwards and extend our love horizontally to those that you put in our lives. I ask that your word would bless us richly this morning. Touch my lips that I may speak only your words and touch my heart that I may also be transformed as you're transforming all who hear from your spirit this morning. And God, I lift up all the other churches this morning that are preaching your gospel. I lift up Harvest Christian Fellowship and and the Grove and Sandals and the Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Calvary Chapel, our Catholic brothers and sisters, all those who seek for truth, God. May they come to a knowledge and an understanding that Jesus is the only way by which they are saved. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says, amen. 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 So we're... In John chapter 4, we spent the last few weeks in John chapter 3, we heard the word that God is for us. And, and because he's for us, he enacts his, his for us-ness by sending his son to express the greatest love. The greatest love is demonstrated by his son being lifted up on a cross and dying for all humanity. And in dying for all humanity... He captures us. He saves us. He calls us. There is not a single person that I have met in my life that became a Christian because they wanted to become a Christian. No, nope, I, I, I've never met someone who says, you know, I just don't believe in God, but I want to be a Christian. I just, I really have this desire to become a Christian. None of us are born wanting God. The Bible tells us that we were enemies of God, that we were objects of wrath, but God being rich in mercy, being rich in mercy finds us in our mess, finds us in our ugly, finds us in our disease, and he captures our heart, and he turns our heart, and he gives us the gift of repentance so we may turn to him. And when we turn to him, we are set free from the bondage of sin. He sets us free and we become free in him. We're we're no longer bound in our sin. And with this freedom that we find in Christ, we get to choose daily. We get to choose daily. Say, I choose daily. I choose daily. We get to choose daily over and over again whether we're going to cultivate a heart that lives in response to what he has done or cultivate a heart that is small and restricted to what we want to do. We get to choose daily whether we're going to cultivate a heart that is big for God because he saved us because he had a big heart towards us or we're going to cultivate a heart that will be small and safe and restricted in our extending of love to others. God wants us to experience the big He wants us to experience the big. Come on. He wants us to experience the big. When I say big, what I'm doing, I kind of made an acronym for it. Big stands for blessings in God. He wants us to experience the big. How many of y'all want the big? I want the big in my life. I want my life to be Biggie Smalls Big, you know, in Jesus' name. He wants us to experience the big, a big heart experience is what He's calling us to. And we get to choose whether we're going to live lives out of a heart that's big for God or a heart that's small and stuck to ourselves. Cultivating a, a small heart is the easiest thing that you'll do, it's safe, it minimizes pain and sorrow. If you don't ever want to be hurt in life, keep your heart small. Constrict your love. Keep it to yourself. Don't trust people whatsoever, and you'll always be safe. No one will break your heart if you don't give your heart away. But if you don't want to minimize or avoid trouble in life, oh, today I'm helping you out. You, You want to live a life that's safe, protected, free from harm? Don't live big. Have a small vision. Don't open your heart to people. Don't take big risks for God. Carefully avoid elevated and noble ideas and take the safe road. Small hearted people do not go to Thailand and rescue kids that have been sexually trafficked. Small hearted people don't go to India and become Mother Teresa. It takes people who are willing to say, I am going to extend my heart, extend my my love, extend my resources so that God can use me so that I could be a funnel by which God's blessings can flow through to touch other people. If you cultivate a deaf heart, you'll never hear the pain around you. If you cultivate a, a, a blind heart, you'll never see those who are, who are crying out for God, who are desperate for God around you. But if you open up your heart and cultivate a big heart, you will hear the shout of the redeemed when they're being redeemed. Amen? If you open up your heart, you will then see God's hand working to save all around you. You'll see the beautiful things. If you close your eyes to what's happening around you, if you keep your heart small, you won't see the pain in Riverside. But if you open up your heart, And open up your eyes, you'll also see God's redemptive acts. You know, the thing about it is that when you watch the news and you read the news, it's, it's written by people who are just seeing things small. They're seeing all the disasters. They're seeing all the, the, the trouble. I, I, you go on Facebook and you see these people. You've got prophets on Facebook who are telling you that because of where we're at as a country, because of whatever's happening at, in Washington, we're on the road to collapse and all these things are going to happen to us and, and, and the New World Order and the Trilateral Commission and all these things and all these moving parts that are happening and, and, the, and the Big Brother and all this kind of stuff. I've got a big God. That's all I know. And I'm living the big life, the blessings in God. Christians who never see a move of God, (laughs) Christians who never see a move of God live with the smallness of heart. They live safe. They live avoiding uh, troubles. They live out of convenience. So my question, I have two questions for you this morning. How big is your world? And how big is your God? How big is your world and how big is your God? I, you know, I I love hearing new people when they come to relevant and they love it, they're like, oh my gosh, I love this place. I love small churches. (laughs) I just, you know, I love small churches, and I'm thinking in my head, we don't have small vision. You may love a small church, but you probably will be gone next month because we're growing. (laughs) Church is growing. We've doubled in size in the last few months, and we're going to continue to grow. But I'll tell you this much. We will never outgrow our heart for the lost. We will never outgrow our heart for God's vision for this church. We will never outgrow our heart for God, our heart to see God use us. This church may become big and all that kind of stuff, but the the, the heart of this church, the heart of this vision will always be bigger than our numbers, bigger than our buildings, bigger than our influence. It will always be bigger. I want the big. I want the blessings in God. You can't put a shoe size on what God's doing here. You can't put a a, a lid on what God is doing here. And this comes with risk. And I want to let you know right now, just in case you did not know, that if you call relevant church home, if you call the church of God anywhere home, you're part of the most dangerous, radical movement that has been known to mankind. It calls for radical people. It calls for people who are willing to stand up against emperors and, 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 and dungeons and, and coliseums with lions that are about to devour you because you're willing to say, I don't care what you say, I know who I believe in. I don't care what kind of obstacles you put in my path, I know who I believe in. I want the big. I want the big. I wonder if there's three of you who want the big with me. Enlarge your heart, cultivate a heart for ministry, and you enlarge your capacity for pain. If you enlarge your heart and say, God, I want you to give me a big heart for for people that you're seeking to redeem, you enlarge your capacity to be rejected, your capacity to be ridiculed, your capacity to have people all around you look at you and say, you know what? You guys are a little bit crazy. I was talking to my good friend Jerry Ricketts Yesterday, Friday, and uh, we were talking about, you know, just ministry and where God's led us and what God's doing. And he was like, You know, I've had people who've come around and I've told them, listen, if you're looking for a safe place where you can be just shiny and happy and and nothing rocks the boat, relevant ain't for you. (laughs) He probably didn't say ain't, but I'm kind of, you know, transliterating his statement there. It's like, relevant is not for you, brother. You might need to move on somewhere else, bro. We're taking risks. Almost everything that God has called us to do has been something that someone has faced us and told us to our face and said, you can't do that. You cannot plant a church in this city. You cannot. It's not going to work. What gives you authority to come and do this here? I say, well, I know the people that God's touching through here. I know the marriages that are being saved through here. I know the people who've separated and been divorced that are being restored through this place. I know the transformation that's taking place in lives that that once were, but now they are in this place. I know that there are people who are still jacked up and nasty and working things out, and they're probably going to offend you next month or even on Tuesday. But guess what? They're not who they once were, and they're not yet who they will be, but we're all on a process. So I always tell people that, listen, if you come to Relevant, things are, the, the, the fact is this, is that Jonathan Belima is never going to be looking at you, inspecting your food, saying, well, are you, are, you, are you still cussing? Oh, you're still, oh, you're talking like the pastor, so you might still be cussing. Ah. <laughs> All I'm going to say is we're following Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, it's a transformational journey. I'm not who I once was, but I'm not yet who I'm going to be. But right now, deal with me. I've got options. (laughs) Sometimes I exercise the wrong one. Sometimes you'll exercise the wrong one. But guess what? No judgment, no condemnation. We're in Christ, and we're working it out together relationships will get messy people will get messy will we will try and attempt things for god and we'll find a roadblock and god will direct our paths a different way but guess what god's still going to receive the glory and the praise through it and in it Amen? amen i want the big i want the big as believers will you live your lives with your eyes to heaven your hand protecting your heart and your other hand guarding your wallet I'll ask these guys because they're still working out their answer. As believers, are you going to live your lives with your eyes towards heaven, waiting for him to return, guarding your heart with your other hand, guarding your wallet? Because that's the safest place you can be. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. People around you are dying. I'm waiting on the Lord, brother. Making sure that my assets are taking care of covering my assets. I don't know why y'all laughing. and guarding my heart and waiting on the Lord. Or are you going to be a people that are living for the big? I want the big. I want the big. And and so there's there's three things that I believe that a big heart Looks like, acts like, and be. Text in John chapter four reads as following. And next week we're gonna get deeper into the text, I promise you, but I God just gave me this message and He wants me to to share this with you. A very practical Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Verse number 4. It's amazing that they give a single verse to, and he had to pass through Samaria. There's something deep about the fact that he had to pass through Samaria. Verse 5, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey. Everyone say he was tired. tired. Weird weird, as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Woman, verse 9 says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Point number one about a big heart. A big heart reaches out even though you're tired. A big heart Serves God even though you're tired. Oswald Chambers said that the the world is run, the world is changed by tired men. Mission trips are taken by tired people. People are won to God by tired evangelists. Children are being taught the gospel by tired children's workers. The gospel is preached by tired preachers. There is no no mandate in Scripture that says, you know what, slow down. Find me the verse that says, you know what, just, you know, be actually the word balance does not exist in the Scriptures. The Scriptures aren't about balance. They're about mixture. They're about managing a ebb and flow. The Scripture tells us, run your race. Run your race. The scripture tells us to, to, uh, to press on, to not get weary in well-doing because in due time you will reap. It says don't get tired. That doesn't mean that you w- w- won't be tired. It says that when you do feel tired, don't grow tired. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what that looks like? Let me tell you what that looks like. I mean, Paul in Galatians, when he's saying that, he knows that people get tired. He was tired himself. He was tired himself. What he's saying is this, is, is don't go around saying, I, I just, I'm, I'm just too tired. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. It's people. People suck. <laughs> <laughs> Ministry's hard. Do not grow weary. The Bible says, press on, keep on, run the good race. Here's Jesus. It says that he he gets, in verse 6, says that he, he was wearied as he was from his journey. He was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus is tired. He's been in Galilee. He's been in Jerusalem. He's been preaching. He's been dealing with haters. People have been coming to argue with him and to discredit his ministry. He's had to deal with with religious teachers. Nicodemus had to hang out with Jesus. That was a tiring ordeal. If you really, really understand all that's going on there, he's probably tired from all that. Plus, to get to the point where he's at in in chapter four, he's walked thirty miles. He's tired. Now, it's cool to walk 30 miles if you're by yourself and with people that you like. But he's been walking with disciples. <laughs> and every time I read a, 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 a conversation between Jesus and his disciples, it goes like this Master, what do you think about those people over there who're just doing them their dumb things? And Jesus' like, Y'all are dumb. <laughs> you need Jesus and a bag of chips. Well, I'm here, but you need a bag of chips and a pack of gum, too, because he's constantly asking, answering questions. These guys are always saying, you know, can we sit on your right hand? Can we sit on your left hand? He's managing politics. Bartholomew is hard to get along with. You've got Judas who's stealing money. You've got Peter who's cussing up a storm and cutting people's ears off. The people he's walking with are like really, really draining people. Sometimes you serve in ministry with people that will drain your energy. And you're just like if I could just serve God without these punks, something could get done. Jesus is tired. He, he gets to this well and he says, "Listen, disciples, go into town and get us some groceries. Find a Popeyes and get us some chicken." And the question, the joke is how many disciples does it take to buy a bag of groceries? <laughs> this is one of those strategic things. I imagine it like this. Like like well Peter's like, "Well, well master, send the other guys. Well, Peter, John, James and John and I will hang out with you here. You know, you need to be protected and we got there's some things we want to discuss with you about your last sermon." <laughs> and Jesus is like, "Um j- just go with them. Just just go." They need a prayer warrior with them when they're down there. I'm sure one of them was like, what will I do? I-, I-, I, mean, I think you've got enough people buying us groceries. What should I do? Uh, go, go to the post office. Buy us some stamps. <laughs> Mom, th- moms, th- th- this is what's happening. This is, like, this is like one of those moments, right? It's a spiritual moment. When, you, when school is back in session, and you're like, oh, I get my life back. Come on. I, I know some of y'all like, yep, now I'm, I'm tracking with you, pastor. Now I'm with you. This is the time when Jesus gets to sit down and say, oh, no more. I, I get it. time to myself. He had to escape at times, go in the mountains and hide from people. So I just imagine him as just kind of leaning up on that well, reclining on it, saying, Oh, finally, God, Father, can I just go to the cross and die already? (laughs) So I'm tired of your people, I'm tired of the haters, I'm tired. And then he hears footsteps. Probably some high heels or something. I don't know. And he's like, oh, dang it, the Django. (laughs) (laughs) I hear footsteps. Now, I've wow, I just got to put myself out there. I've been in that place where, you know, you you don't have your right clothes on, you got your sweats, you know, no makeup on, not that I wear makeup, but some of y'all can understand what I'm saying, and you're at the grocery store, and then you see that person that you work with, that person that you minister to, and you're like, oh, they're in this store, let's go to Albertsons instead, forget Ralph's, forget Stater Brothers. (laughs) You don't want to talk to them, right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, gosh, I'm not ready, it's... Can I just get a moment to myself? He's like, oh my gosh, footsteps. I'm sure the Holy Spirit probably whispered in his ear, this is why you had to go to Samaria. This was your appointment, Jesus. I am going to do a great work in Samaria, and this is the launching pad. This woman who shows up at noon to get water from a well. You know, that's the moment where you pretend like you're really snoring, like, (sighs) maybe if I just pretend like I'm really in deep sleep, they won't talk to me. A big heart serves God even though you're tired. Serves God even though you're tired. Uh, you, You will never get to do great things for God until you learn to push through it. Until you learn to, to minister when you're tired. I have experienced the greatest moves of God. Not when I'm full of energy and ready to go to battle. But it's at that last moment where like, you know what? No more. I'm done. I'm through with this. I don't want to do anything anymore. I'm through with leading worship. I'm through with giving Bible study. I'm through with preaching. I'm through with your people, God. Send someone else. And then, and then someone else shows up and it's like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm still here. Were it not for that last mile where you had to push through, I would have never seen the greatest moves of God in my life. Push through. Jesus calls us to expand our hearts by ministering in our fatigue. I remember back in the church where I grew up in, there was a song that they, they would sing every now and then. It's like, you know, it's very, very uh, old school black gospel. But it's like, you know, that's when like, you know, they've got the two, four beat. You know, I ain't tired yet. Mm-mm-mm, I ain't tired yet. Ten minutes later, I ain't tired yet. Mm-mm-mm. I ain't tired yet. Mm-mm-mm. I ain't tired yet. Mm-mm-mm. I ain't tired yet. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like whoa. Do we have any other words? No, but we ain't tired yet. Mm-mm-mm. We ain't tired yet. I'm running, running, run, running, running, and running. Okay, that's that's Black IP, Peas. Sorry, uh, <laughs> remix, remix, <laughs> remix. You know, sometimes you gotta make it fun. You know. <laughs> Point number two, a big heart overcomes barriers a big heart overcomes barriers you see here's what what takes place here it says that he's in samaria now what's happening between the jews and the samaritans is that for over 500 years they have hated each other They have hated each other. We're going to get more into that next week. But these people do not like each other. There's there's all kinds of bitterness that's taking place between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Samaritans hate the Jews just as much as the Jews hate the Samaritans. They have a different temple. The Samaritans are mixed breeds. The Jews think that they're pure. I mean, the the rabbis will will teach the people that if you even eat at the table of a Samaritan... It's as if you're eating swine itself. And for them, swine was like the evilest of all evil. And the very fact that Jesus has sent his disciples into Samaria, into the town, to buy from the Samaritans tells us that there's a new order that's already beginning to take place here. Because Jews have no dealings, no business, no transactional relationship with Samaritans already overcoming barriers here. There, there was a, uh, a prayer that was very popular during that time where, you know, like, you know, Jewish families would gather around the table, they're about to eat, and, and little Timmy would, you know, pray, and Timmy would be like, you know, and Lord, thank you for mommy and daddy, and thank you for the food, thank you for Fido, thank you for uh, the school, thank you for that, and, and Lord, as we close our prayer, on the day of the resurrection, don't remember the Samaritans. In Jesus' name, amen. They literally had a prayer asking God to not remember Samaritans. That's hate. That's deep-seated hate. And then the second barrier that Jesus is overcoming here is the barrier of speaking to a woman. At that time, there was a group of Pharisees called the bleeding and bruised Pharisees who when women, even Jewish, Samaritan, doesn't matter, if they saw a woman in public, they would close their eyes because it was sinful to look at a woman. Don't stumble, brother. And so they would run into walls and whatnot because they are trying not to sin by looking at a woman. And to speak to a woman, that was completely out of the question. Jesus, preemptively, on his own accord, says to the woman, give me a drink. finds a place where they have common ground, initiates the conversation, overcoming the racial barriers, overcoming the the gender separation, overcoming the religious barriers, and aggressively reaches out to this woman. You know, the thing about the church, the church, is that, In early Christianity, the church was amazing. It was amazing because the world will look at the church and say, this is crazy. How is it that a slave and a a noble person are in the same place on the same common ground worshiping one person? That doesn't make sense. How is it that a woman and a man can come in the same place and, and, and there's no separation, no, no, no weirdness, no classism taking place? How is it that, that an Ethiopian and, and a Jewish man and a Greek and a Roman person can be in the same room singing psalms and spiritual songs to the same God? That doesn't work. As a matter of fact, if you look at world religions, and I and I hope I don't like, you know, make you guys trip out and say the pastor is politically incorrect because you already know that. But if you look at world religions, they're usually based on ethnicity. If you're an Arab, you are a Muslim. If you're Asian, you are Buddhist. If you're Indian, you are Hindu. If you're African, you beat on a drum. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We got rhythm. If you're Mexican, you are Catholic. And you have a cousin named Jesus. <laughs> the gospel through the church was the only thing that brought all people together. And the, and the world at the time, literally, the, I mean, you will find records of this. The world, everyone else who wasn't in the church looked at the church and said, they're all possessed there's some sort of sorcerer that's bringing these people together because we know that barbarians don't hang out with Romans. Jews do not mingle with Samaritans. This, this is weird. They are under a spell, they drank the bad water. And in today's world, they'll tell you that Sunday's the most segregated hour of the week because the enemy has crept in and whispered in our ears that rich people can minister to rich people. Bankers can talk to bankers. Black people have black churches. White people have white churches. Those in between are confused and they find a confused church. (laughs) But the gospel, the big heart that God's calling us to is a heart that says, we're not alike but we worship the same God. Our core values are that we gather around Christ. That's our affinity. It's no longer because we like the same uh, games. We play World of Warcraft together, and so because we play this, we can start a church for World of Warcraft people. Some of you are like, what's that? Find your own church for people who don't know World of Warcraft. We're so concerned about keeping to ourselves, keeping to people who are like us, and finding more people who can be like us to become more like us. Some of you are going to be shocked. You're going to get to heaven and you're going to freak Frank and fall out because heaven is going to be Hispanic. <laughs> you're going to walk in there and you're like, "Where's Chris Tomlin? How great is our God?" And you're going to hear <laughs> Like, what's going on? Mira, Jesus is over there, my friend. Gloria a Dios. Like, what? God's Hispanic? You didn't know? Why do you think we name our kids Jesus all the time? You're going to be shocked. The point is, big hearts overcome barriers. <laughs> the only thing you learned in church today was God's Hispanic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> We're called to reach out through our fatigue. We're called to reach out through every barrier. Point number three, a big heart sees every moment as a divine appointment. Every chance encounter with an individual is a divine appointment. How many of you have been on a, going somewhere and then you get detoured, you go somewhere else, you end up with someone, you start talking to them and you're like, oh my gosh, this person was hurting and we went through the same thing and, and I had suffered this issue and they, they, were going, they were going through the same thing. I was able to minister to them. Oh my gosh, it was a divine appointment. Thank God for the detour. You're stuck at the DMV, and everyone's speaking Spanish. And you're like, what's going on? And then you discover that God had you at that place to talk to that person right there. Maybe it was to minister to the clerk who was having a rough day because everyone around her was being rude that day, but you're the only person that made them smile, laugh, and said, God bless you, and reminded them that God was still in control of their situation. This woman is here to get water, it's just her daily routine. She does this every day, and she runs into Jesus, and Jesus says, Woman, give me something to drink. She's like, why are you speaking to me? We don't talk. Samaritans and Jews don't talk. Rabbis don't speak to women of my type. Why are you talking to me? Jesus is like, I have an appointment for you. I am going to transform this city, and it's going to take place through you, and it has to happen. I had to go through Samaria. I could have gone any other way, but the Holy Spirit detoured my tracks because the steps of a a righteous man are ordered by God. So every moment is a divine appointment. A big heart understands that you minister, though you're tired. We are running. (laughs) A big heart reaches across the barriers, takes that risk. A big heart seizes every moment as a divine appointment. I want you to have a big heart. I want the big. I want the blessings in God. I don't want a small heart. The thing about small hearts, safe people, people who keep it to themselves, is that they never contribute to anything in this world. Everyone that's ever made a difference in this world was someone who said, God, here I am, take me, use me, push me through it. I'm tired, I don't have resources, I don't have people, I don't have money, I don't have talent, I don't have the brains for it. But if you can use me, if you can just take me, if you can take this, this five loaves and two fish, if you can take these five stones, if you can just take this, this useless person who can't really speak, you can do something. You can do something. I want the big. I want the big. The only place outside of heaven where you can be safe, free from worry, free from trial and pain because of having a heart that extends itself to others. The only place outside of heaven where you have that luxury of not enduring pain because you put yourself out there. It was a place called Hell. I want the big. God's calling us to bring the big to Riverside, to blessings in God. to extend the blessings in God, to demonstrate. The blessings in God. That's why we're here. If God's called you here, he's called you to live the big. To be big for our community. This thrift store, this location here at the Regal Cinemas, believe that God has blessed us with it so that we can show others the blessings in God the blessed life in God so I'm calling on you to rise up even though you're tired to rise up even though you're surrounded by people that are not like you to understand that you being in this place is a divine appointment let's do the big together amen Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for for what you're calling us to do for you in this city. We love you, Lord. We ask that you use us. We ask that you take us. We give you our hearts that you may enlarge it. We give you our wallets. We're not going to be guarded, we're not going to be selfish. We're going we're to try to outgive you, Lord, and we know we're going to fail because the more we extend ourselves, the more you pour back into us. We're going to give our hearts to you and give life away. Thank you, Job. Thank you, Lord. For more information, visit relevant316.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you have a wonderful day and God bless.